Welcome, everyone, to another edition of the Team Turnbuckle Podcast, IB Sports Wrestling Podcast, with your host, I'm Keith Fleming, my tag team partner and co-host, my Tully Blanchard, to my Arn Anderson, Ron L. Tinsley. Ron L., how you doing, buddy? I am doing even more fantastic. I actually love that. I'm not averse to a good slingshot suplex. Start every podcast moving forward, team. Uh, since you know both of us have uh, are big on tag team wrestling, and uh, I'm hoping that both of the shows that we're going to talk about today, that you know we love, get more into tag team wrestling because we talked about the women's division in AEW. They're picking that up, and now I feel like the tag team division in both. Like, let's get this moving. There's a lot of good tag teams in AEW and NXT. And there just doesn't seem to be, you know, a lot of action, especially for the tag titles. Oh, yeah, especially in AEW. And I know we're going to be touching on that. You know, we need some action rolling on that. I like seeing the gold defended. So before we officially start, I just want to remind everyone that the IB Sports podcast feed is available on iTunes, Spotify, Anchor. We would really appreciate if you'd subscribe it, you know, obviously will notify you when a new podcast is up from the IB Network. We would also really appreciate if you would rate and review the podcast. Finally, please follow IB Sports on Twitter, Instagram. We have a Facebook group with over 4,000 members and growing. Uh, the Facebook group has a premium membership. It allows you to be commissioner for a day. You have automatic approval of all posts. And uh, you receive free gambling picks and a whole lot more. We're going to obviously discuss NXT and AEW. Again, we apologize for last week only doing one podcast. We had some stuff going on. So we discussed on the last one the AEW pay-per-view, which we both loved. And then we just kind of went through everything. But we're going to get back into doing AEW NXT. And then obviously we'll do Raw and SmackDown next week. One thing that I thought was interesting this week, did you get the feeling that it was almost like the Monday Night Wars or the Wednesday Night Wars kind of heated up and both shows knew that and tried to take it to another level this week. Absolutely. Now, listen, even with the, and I know we talked about how disinterested we've been, even with the cruiserweight championship tournament, even that had a little sizzle. I mean, they had so much going on this week. It's great. It's like being back in the mid nineties and you're, you got to flip back and forth. But thank God we got DDR now. Amen. Like, I was actually thinking about that as I watched NXT taped after I'd finished AEW going, man, if you would have told 15-year-old Keith when he was watching Nitro and Raw in its heyday that I didn't have to flip back and forth or use a VCR <laughs> to take yes. the other show, he would have been a happy young man and probably would have called you a liar. Uh Let's start with NXT this week. I, I think we both agree. Overall, both shows were good. But NXT kicked off with something that we have, you know, had our problems with, which is the cruiserweight or interim, excuse me, cruiserweight championship. And they had the semifinal match for that. It was Kushida. Is that how you say it? I always get this wrong. Uh-huh. Nope, okay. that was right. Got it right. Drake Maverick and Jake Atlas, you know, as most – cruiserweight matches are it was very fast paced they had some interesting spots and then you know a controversial one ending with drake maverick getting a pinfall on jake atlas he slipped his arm underneath kashidi's arm bar after the match they showed that jake atlas had tapped before the three count and a post-fight interview maverick appeared confused as to what's next when kashida came in and told him to fight for the title now we have discussed in the last few weeks, like, what the hell are they doing with Drake Maverick? He was released. Now he's winning every match. It, it seems that he's on TV. We, we talked about it potentially being a swerve. I just don't understand what is going on here. It's already a complicated story that has wrestling fans questioning and now you have a botched, or excuse me, not a botched, but a wrong finish. And the guy that was wronged 
is like go win the title. Anger, because how are you going to build up the titles meaning something when you win a match and go, I'm good, bro. You go win. Right, and you and I, as we're want to do, always talk about the prestige of a title. And in as much as they've thrown in some great action uh, during this, you know, highlighted by, you know, these three gentlemen, at the same time, a lot of what they did in the ring was enough to tell the story. Why did we have to have to add on this to what I feel like is diminish what the cruiserweight champion is going to be. It almost makes it seem like whoever uh, Jordan Devlin's going to come in against will be an also ran. So I don't like how they pulled this, even though they had really spectacular matches in the ring. It didn't really make sense to me. It, it didn't. And you got to remember that I've told you, I have a hard time getting invested in the cruiserweights. Very similar to us, we talked on the last podcast. I have a hard time getting invested in Apollo Crews and Andrade because they're great in the ring, and mm. so are these guys, but I don't have a reason to root for them. I don't have a reason to care. And when you start doing things like what they did with this booking, and I know this is not apples to apples, but it reminds me of the finger poke of doom and how that you know took all the steam out of the world title in WCW because basically Kevin Nash took a dive and it's like, I know he's not taking a dive, but he's giving up an opportunity here that should be his. And therefore it devalues the title. Exactly the point. Like we said, you know, when it comes to those placeholders, prestige behind it everything that led into them becoming a champion all that stuff matters especially to you know to me i won't generalize it with anyone else moving on johnny gargano began an open invitational to the lesser known talent since in his eyes he's the reason they have a job he chooses this week uh adrian alanis which they mistakenly First said Adrian Adonis, which I thought was a was cute little chuckle. Yeah. <laughs> but, of course, he goes in, destroys this guy in a, in a squash match. But the real action began when Mia Yim and Keith Lee put on a hilarious spoof on the big screen, basically mocking the Garganos. They take hilarious snipes at Larray and Johnny using the black and white camera and a flashlight, letting them know there will be consequences for Johnny basically trying to get his hands on Mia. In a backstage interview later, Johnny introduced, uh, sorry, challenged Keith Lee to a North American title fight at, at TakeOver, and Candice challenged Mia Yim for next week. Now, do you think Johnny Gargano will take the North American title from Keith Lee, and do you have any interest in the Candice LeRae and Mia Yim match next week? I do. I, I mean, for the Candice LeRae match, yes. I, I think that they have squandered her in many ways. I've read up a lot more on her as her and Johnny have turned heel. And I didn't realize she was such a badass in the indie wrestling scene. So I'm hoping they're, oh, really? yes, like the, apparently they have this and you should look it up. I don't know what promotion it was, but she has kind of a stone cold moment where she was just busted wide open when she won a title and there's a picture oh, of her nice. with that promotion's title. And, I mean, she's got blood coming all down her face. Uh, it, it was actually a pretty interesting kind of reviewing some of the stuff that she had done. Before I get into the Keith Lee thing, I just want to say, you know, I, I come on this show every week when we talk about Seth Rollins and talk about how impressed I've been with him, how he's at the top of his game. I was somebody who was not always big on Johnny Gargano. I didn't understand it. Uh, I always thought that Ciampa was more interesting, even though he was the heel mm -hmm. I rooted for him. I really like this version of Johnny Gargano. I think this is his niche. I can't believe I'm saying this. I think he's a better heel than he is a face, at least from what I've seen recently. So I'm glad they're moving in that direction. That is one of the two reasons, yes, I hope they take the title off Keith Lee, is when you have a character that, 
is moving into this hill, you know, territory and doing such a good job. They need the title then. Like, there's nothing that makes a heel more heel than winning the belt. It's even better if they win it by heel manners, cheating, you know, sneaking, doing something nefarious. The other thing is Keith Lee being the North American champion. When you have Adam Cole as the NXT world champion diminishes the world championship. I find it so hard to believe that the biggest, baddest dude on the roster doesn't want the top title NXT and is happy settling for the second title. So I hope they take the title off of him. Gargano, it'll be good for his character, good for his heel turn, and then either have Keith Lee go for the NXT title, which I think he needs to win before he moves up, or go ahead and move him up to the main roster. We've seen a lot of guys starting to come up, or not a lot, but a few this week that are going up. There's rumors of more moving. Keith Lee, I think, is ready, and I do worry that, like, it just hasn't made sense to me that you have this tiny guy who is the world champ and then this giant monster with the second belt. Yeah. You know, and especially after hearing how you just laid it out, it really does totally make sense, especially with how hot Keith Lee was leading into his North American championship. And you're right. It does seem like he's gotten comfortable. And now that you say it, I'm not comfortable with that. You're too big and badass to not desire more, to not want to take more. So, yeah, I'm with you there that I would begrudgingly be okay with Keith Lee losing the title. So, Rhea Ripley is finally back, which I'm very excited. She looks great, by the way, after the the layoff. Mm -hmm. Her and EO teamed together against Charlotte and her mystery partner, which I don't know about you, but I kind of figured this was going to be Chelsea Green. It was. Mm. Charlotte uh, was being Charlotte early, and I love this. I love that they're letting her not be a healer face and just be Charlotte Flair, which I think is just a brilliant move. And what I mean by that is she pretty much let Chelsea do a majority of the work during the match uh, while Charlotte kind of, you know, talked trash and, you know, was the queen. Uh, when she finally did join the match and she did survive an onslaught from uh, EO, Charlotte scored the pin after avoiding her attack and then making her hit Rhea in the corner and stacking her legs on the ropes. These three ladies are going to meet at the NXT pay-per-view for the title in your house We've been pretty much convinced this is the way they're going to have Charlotte drop the belt. It's going to frustrate me, particularly if she's Mm. not involved in the pin or the finish. Because, again, I don't understand why they sent her down if they're not going to build up somebody from her. If that's the case, do you think that Charlotte ends up taking the title off of Bailey or Asuka in the future? I have a feeling that it's going to be Asuka and for the reason that it hopefully this time they'll at least let Asuka get a win and uh, make up for taking all of the steam out of her sales at WrestleMania a couple of years ago. Um, Asuka is really like I I thought it was just me like you know me I've been real giddy and high on Asuka right. for the better part of the last two months and I thought it was you know I thought I was in a minority a lot of people are loving Asuka exactly how she is and I'm so happy that I am not a minority in this so I'm hoping that they use this as a chance to really build up Asuka yes we know that Charlotte will eventually have another few title reigns in her when you know, not immune to that. I'm just hoping that it winds up being that way. Although to a slight degree, I could see why they would go to SmackDown because now it doesn't, it seems like the only viable person to take the SmackDown title off of Bailey is going to be Sasha. I mean, which I would not disagree with, but that's like the only contender. You know, I actually think that Charlotte, when she drops the NXT title, 
is not going to be a world champ on either brand for some time. And the reason I say that is because I said this a few weeks ago that they're starting to treat her like John Cena uh, when he was sort of mm. part time and they needed a star that he was kind of the one person that could just kind of go to whatever show because he's John Cena. And she honestly in the women's division is at that level. She's got the most title reigns. And especially with Becca, Becky and Ronda gone, I think they're going to have Charlotte kind of just feud with people, maybe even have like a tag team title reign and wait to get her in a good storyline. And I think that that storyline is going to be Sasha beats Bailey. And then Charlotte's going to come for Sasha because they really never finished their rivalry from a few years ago. And Mm -hmm. it really disappointed me because they earned the right to really have a blow off feud. I know they had the hell in the cell match, but if you remember, I think they changed titles like two more times after that. And that's the direction I would want them to move. But I, you know, also don't, you know, guarantee Charlotte's going to drop the title. We've learned that, you know, she could end up retaining. That's true. Her, That's and maybe they're setting up somebody, uh, you know, else. And uh, I kind of hope that maybe it's somebody like Candice. You know, there's there's other options down there who are just getting going that maybe they're the person to put her over. And by having Charlotte in NXT, even though some people are going to complain, she's going to build up other women in the roster by just, you know, going against them. No, that that's very true. And it will help, especially considering, you know, I used to be one of the people that used that was very high on saying the NXT roster had the strongest women's division. And now that they've taken away from that roster, especially by taking like, you know, the likes of Bianca Belair, this would help uh rebolster um that opinion. So after the the women's match, Adam Re- Adam Cole requested a meeting with William Regal to negotiate not only a match for the Undisputed Era to regain the tag team titles and asked that the Velveteen Dream be left away from him and out of his affairs. Regal, in his perfect British way, asked him to quit his whining and eventually told him that he's going to be facing the Dream at TakeOver In Your House for the NXT Championship. Adam Cole, being the weasel he is, though, did work his way into making this the last time the Velveteen Dream can fight him for the title. But William Regal decides he will uh, decide the setting of the match. Are we finally, finally at the rise of the Dream era? Before I get into that, you know, I think you feel this way. I don't know if you've ever talked about this. I get really frustrated with a lot of the authority, you know, figures and, and kind of running shows. The way William Regal does it is the correct way. And it's the way, or excuse me, the way they let him do it, I should say. And that's the kind of authority figure they should have on Raw and SmackDown, where it's more business type. They don't, te- you know, they're, they're technically running the show, but it's more like a general manager than like a, a true boss. And, I think he's fantastic. Mm. Do you agree? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, all of his years, and it's funny, um, I just so happen to be looking through an old thread and just seeing some people talking about um, seeing old William Regal in the ring. And people really discount all of those years in the ring that between um, his change in characters somewhat slightly, he still always managed to keep himself relevant, not by just his fantastic work but as he was able to not move so much to be able to be a fantastic talker so i think he's in a great position and plays that gm role fantastic so for the velveteen dream thing yes i think this means we're finally going to get a velveteen dream title run and we're going to finally get the title off of adam cole which I, honestly I, I like adam cole but at this point it's time to, to change up the world title picture in NXT. I mean, I think he's now the longest reigning NXT champ ever, right? He is. So my issue with this though, is why do they have to put in that stipulation that this is the last one? Like that pretty much guarantees that Velveteen dream is probably Mm going to win the title, especially in the situation he is. And maybe I'm overlooking this. It's like, you know, a fan that, 
you know, as IWC, you know, internet fan, reads a bunch of stuff and just kind of knowing that, okay, Velveteen Dream, if he's going to win the title, this is probably it. Well, then when they put in that stipulation, it's like, okay, this is definitely either it or he's going somewhere. And I just think it's going to take a little bit of the surprise and the shock because if they just had another match, I don't think, you know, everybody would be so dead set on probably going to finally get his, you know, his, his title win here. I would assume most fans are going to go into that match assuming, okay, Adam Cole is going to drop and Velveteen Dream is going to finally win. And Velveteen has earned this moment. And I just wish it was, you know, not kind of, I don't know, set up for you to see so easily. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you there. Um, I too think that it's it's time. I, I honestly am with you that it's past time that they probably should have done this earlier. Although you know, I know that his injury didn't help uh, with this time thing. But yeah, it's time for the Velveteen Dream. Uh, we definitely need a uh, new feuds mm-hmm. vying for that uh, NXT Championship. Let's mix it up. Hell, maybe even. Nah, I, I can't see Keith Lee doing a face turn, but maybe after uh, losing to Gargano, it's a possibility. You know, the one thing I will say, too, is we've, you know, kind of been frustrated with Velveteen Dream in the sense that they haven't, you know, given him more for the great young performer he is. If he is the guy to beat Adam Cole after the longest reigning NXT champ ever, it again kind of shows how NXT – they're pretty damn smart. You know what I mean? Like that's a big win to take out the longest reigning champ in the history of your promotion. It most certainly is. So next we had my man Ciampa. He faced Leon Ruff with Scarlett at ringside who looked great. Uh, she was, mm. I don't know if she was scouting, scoping what she was doing uh, before she had a meeting with her man, Kieran Cross. Uh, or excuse me, for his meeting in Cross at In Your House. Uh, Ciampa made really quick work of Ruff. He looked great. He taunted uh, Scarlett, you know, before getting the win, which I thought that was a little out of character for him. But, uh, you know, I guess they have been messing with him a lot, so he's trying to mess back. Then Cross appeared on the big screen to tell him he's going to feel something he's never felt before in his life. I'm really intrigued by that line, like really intrigued. I, I'm starting to really get behind this whole Karrion Cross Scarlet duo because of the promos. It kind of reminds me in a alternate way of like Bray Wyatt when he debuted that he's just interesting. You know, what he says is really interesting. Now, whether or not it goes anywhere, who knows? But do you think that like, because I think Ciampa now has had a couple of wins in the last few weeks. Are they just feeding him wins so that way when he gets beat by Kyrian, which he has to uh, with all the fuss that they've made in this debut at the pay-per-view, he doesn't look so bad? Yeah, that that's what I'm thinking because – and I too was really – like I, I wish I had gotten a little more detailed as to what he was really talking about, but I am really can't wait for the story that uh, – is going to be told in the ring. Hopefully uh, we get a little bit more behind whatever this doomsday he keeps talking about. I don't know if it's a move or, or what, but, you know, considering the, the, their cinematic entrance, how physical of a specimen he's going to be, this is going to be one heck of a brutal match. So I'm really looking forward to what they're going to make of this guy. Now in the final match, they uh, of NXT. They had an awesome pit filed pit fight style oh, match <laughs> with Timothy Thatcher and the bro Matt Riddle. And the only way you could win in this match was by submission or knockout. Now Kurt Angle was the guest referee. This match was so brutal. Like Thatcher literally lost a tooth. In the match. It looked like Riddle out legit blood. was out at the end, they, too. Oh, my God, yeah. Like, I, I don't know if that was, like, just really great acting. But, like, with the way that it was going, it was phenomenal. Like, they beat the hell out of each other 
inside and then made their way to the platform like this was not your average style cage it wasn't like your mma octagon either it literally was like a pit that was a cage and they fight on this platform beat the hell out of each other in a crazy spot where riddle hits the spinning broton off of the platform now after they both peel themselves off the match Thatcher gets the upper hand, smashes him into the cage a few times, and then finally submits Riddle with that rear naked choke. How impressed were you with this match and with Timothy Thatcher? The match, like, first of all, to NXT's production, you know, the, the guys that designed that structure, kudos. Like, unbelievable. When they sent the picture out and I saw the scaffold, I immediately thought to the old matches in the NWA with, like, the Legion of Doom. You know what I mean? I'm like, I have not seen a mm, scaffold mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. forever. Uh, the, the match was extremely physical, extremely brutal. I hope it's not something, though, that they use a lot because it really made sense with both of these guys' backgrounds. But I think a lot right. of, you know, guys that get into that match, it might come off a little corny. Uh, because their movesets don't, you know, kind of match the MMA, uh, you know, type mm-hmm. fighting like these two. Timothy Thatcher has looked really strong, obviously. I still, though, I'm kind of in a wait and see moment because I just, again, his character is not that interesting to me yet. But he's he's getting there. I like mm-hmm. the fact that he turned on Riddle, obviously. I like the fact that he came back and, you know, got his win back after losing last week. Uh, my interesting thing from this though is we now know, and we'll talk about SmackDown. Riddle up to the, the, the main roster. Are you surprised that they did this with him? Yeah, I, I really am, and also surprised with the send off from NXT. Like, you're sending off like on that. a loss, launching him into the I did, you do. I, I thought that was I, I honestly think that's a little bit strange, but I but I do understand the building up of Timothy Thatcher. Um this is my you know, these this last month and a half is my first exposure to Timothy Thatcher and also being a big MMA fan, like you said, just because of their styles, this match really, really worked. Like I was really impressed with uh, the fluidity, especially um, watching as much MMA as I can, they made it look, you know, really real with the grappling. Yes, of course, we all know that like a fifth degree uh, black belt would have easily countered some of those, you know, slower slips. But for a wrestling, uh, for a wrestling match, they made it look fantastic. So I am excited about what they're going to do with them. Um, but to what you just said, they do need to do something a little bit more with Timothy. If you're Thatcher's that fight. wrestling fan making those kind of comments about the match, shut up. Like, please shut up. If you're talking about, well, if it was a real MMA, it's not a real MMA fight. It's a wrestling match. Right, right. That you're watching wrestling. Right, right. Which, which, <laughs> no one, which no one could, people no kill one me. Could do, which is why. For, which is why for me, because like I've been watching MMA for like, don't get me wrong, I, I can oh, never no, no, roll yeah, yeah, yeah. like that. So anyway, but that very very condensing. I, I actually really did like the way he went out because he got choked out. He had won the previous match against him. He mm. didn't tap. You know what I'm saying? It shook. It, yep, he went it out on showed his, his toughness. Yeah. I just am so worried they're going to screw this kid up because I was so against Riddle for so long and he won me over because I think he's genuine. I think he's his character, you know, cranked up, which I've heard over and over again that all the great wrestlers that are, it's their personalities, you know, turned up to 11. And I just worry with the track record of them bringing these guys up and not having a purpose for them that it's like, I like the move if they know what they're doing, but if they're just bringing him up to bring him up, I'm going to be really disappointed. To that, turn him into fucking exactly. a Nakamura. It's going to be really disappointing. Sorry. I, I don't really like cursing that much. I'm sorry. I, I know, so you're you know. good. 
<laughs> so moving on to AEW Dynamite, that began, uh, well, the first match began with a six-man match with a private party and Joey Janela facing off with Matt Hardy and the Books of Youth, as he likes to call them. Before the match, now I liked what they did before the match where they got to use that personality change a little more conventionally, whereas compared to how they did that in the pool, knowing that they had had time to cut and edit that, that was cool for how that which uh, person was going to come and enter the ring. Now, this match, again, you know, you started off the show talking about uh, tag team wrestling and the depth of the tag team division Sick. in AEW was on display this entire show. This match, an errant, uh, oh my, like there was so much tandem offense, high flying. During the match, an errant super kick hit the blade on the outside, which would come into play minutes later. The Bucks and Hardy did collect the win, and after the match, Matt helped Mark Queen of Private Party to the back after he injured himself uh, going for a move on the outside of the ring. Butcher and the Blade took this time to attack the Young Bucks after the match when they were then interrupted by the newest addition to AEW's tag team division. First thing you hear is a classic truck, and then out comes two plainly clothed leather jacket FTR formerly known as the revival pulls up the pop for everyone who was there the announcers came into the ring and to the surprise of everyone came to the aid of the young bucks now you had messaged me and said just text me when you catch up Man, listen, I was so giddy when FTR came in. Please tell me you're as pumped up about I'm this as I am. I'm not as pumped as you are. I can promise you that. But I am excited because, you know, I didn't get the revival really uh, either in NXT or WWE. And again, I told you, like, in the ring is a big deal, but I got to mm-hmm. really like to really be a huge fan of a, you know, a wrestler or a team. I, I got to care about the story. I got to care about the guys. Uh, but I am very excited to see them kind of out of WWE because from everything I've heard and, and what people say, they were fantastic on the indie scene. I will say though, I'm really disappointed. They did not attack, uh, you know, the, the bucks. Like, I don't understand that. Like, they even said, I believe, on the announce crew that they've had all this beef over the years, you know, through social media and stuff, and I'm assuming on the indie scenes. And it's like, what what are you doing with the Bucks at this point? They are, in my opinion, the most underutilized talent in AEW right now. I don't understand why they haven't fought for, like, the tag titles, uh, other than I know in the beginning – I, I don't understand why they're always in these six, you know, man tag matches. Uh, I mean, their match versus Omega and Hangman was one of the greatest tag team matches I've ever seen in oh. my life. And they've I ever think, seen had one tag team match since that. Like we give Cody all this credit, you know, for taking a back seat. And so obviously I guess we should the Bucks too, because I know they have a lot of pull and, you know, they were involved in the organization, but, to me, this was so simple. You have the Bucks, who are probably your best tag team, like actual tag team, in your you know promotion. You have this new team coming. There's history between them. It's a perfect opening feud. You're doing this in the world title picture with Brody Lee and even Cage now. Like, have them attack the Bucks, and there you go. You have the first program for them, and it could go for months. And build them up and work their way eventually into a tag team title. You're you're right. You know, we are always here and we're usually naysaying and poo-pooing about what WWE does. And we're usually propping up AEW. And this is where one where we have to tell you, yep. you kind of missed your spot right here. Totally had a, had something ready made for them. And... In as much as I did get excited for it, yes, the ending of it did kind of leave me questioning. So 
I am totally with you about that. But oh no, it's still in all, wondering what they're going to do. Yeah, and I think you know, absolutely. To be their buddies, and you know, three weeks down the road, they jump. Maybe you know, that shows why AEW has writers and not working as a writer as a promotion. But just to me, that would have made more sense. But again, what I'm excited about, and what I think they need to start doing, is you know, they seem to have the, the singles, titles, and rankings really kind of figured out. They need to do it on the tag teams because, again, there is now so many talented tag teams. It's like, let sick. them go. Like, let them be the cruiserweights of WCW back sick. in the day. It's like you have your other stuff, but you got 30 to 45 minutes of each show of great wrestling. Just let the tag teams go. Oh, yeah. And, you know, we still got a couple of more tag team, uh, a little more tag team action to talk about. But, yeah, they just added right into it coming off of. And again, if I can just take another few seconds to go back to your point about the Young Bucks, they started building up Private Party uh, in that tag team title tournament. And now uh, Private Party is relegated to AEW Dark, even though they just put on a great match right here. So. The next match is Brian Cage made his dynamite debut for, I'm assuming everybody knows it. He was the man who won the ladder match with the future world title shot at the double or nothing pay-per-view last Saturday. Uh, I love that John Moxley was watching, you know, with commentary from ringside. Uh, he faced Lee Johnson, who I love that you put this in the notes you preach you appreciate <laughs> as the modern day Barry Horowitz or SD Jones well done in a squash match uh Cage by <laughs> virtue of his win in the ladder match he'll face uh Moxley at the fighter fest before we get into the, the Taz promo is this going to be on an island is that why they're calling it that I don't know I, I, I believe that's I believe that's why they created it because it was like spoofing the blown fi- fire uh, festival. I believe okay, that's exactly why they did that. They set it up after what has happened in, in the world. If it's the setting, I don't remember. You know, it's in an area that you know what I'm saying. They could have would be all- they could have as many people as they want to because it's you know obviously like. Uh, sorry, not to get yeah. Not to get side Actually, we're going to have to listen uh, to that. And then Taz <laughs> cut a promo aimed directly at Moxley. It was, it was a good promo. I am a little worried about, and I told you I like Taz being with him, but from what I've read, Brian Cage can talk. So I would like to see him be the one, you know, speaking there. And I, I'm, I don't want to see too many – you know, of these young, or I guess not young, but new guys to AEW, especially when they're monsters like Lance Archer and Brian Cage, and then be paired with, you know, an older wrestler to do all their talking. Uh, hopefully, this will be it, because, you know, you already got Arn Anderson with Cody, you obviously got Jake with Lance Archer, and Taz with Brian Cage, but I just I thought Cage was phenomenal in in the ladder match. Everything I've I've seen says this guy is legit and was a really big signing for them. And I, I do think he's a legitimate. You know, you, we talked about this last week. I am now thinking that he has a chance to potentially beat John Moxley at this pay per view. Do you think he has a chance? I know last week we had a chance, but the more I think about it. You know, they're really building him up off the bat than to have him lose even more so than Brody Lee, who didn't actually win anything before he got that title shot. That, you know, thank you for see this was this was just a divine meeting. This was all supposed to happen because you literally just pulled the thought right out of my brain, because that was the first thing I was about to come to was that. First, I was going to be concerned that they're going to just keep bringing in these big guys 
only for them to get chopped down. And I, I don't want that to kind of lean that way. Whereas this instance does look like this could be a case where Brian Cage could come in and wreak havoc and win the title. So, yes, I do uh, more than I thought last week think Brian Cage has a legitimate shot at taking this title off of John Moxley. It's very exciting, but um, I do agree with you that um, I'm very happy that we do have a, a plethora of different managers. I love the fact that they're bringing managers back, but maybe you're right that they are leaning a little too hard on the uh, youthful talent uh, veteran well, I just think kind the veteran of, wrestlers take away but, a little bit. Like I like like Penelope Ford as a manager, or even get a guy that looks like me. You know, that's five ten, one hundred and forty hmm. pounds, soaking wet. Like you know what I mean? Like when it's a, when it's a star like Jake the Snake or Taz, I just think in some ways it takes away from the new guy because then they're they're Taz's guy, or you know, hmm. Jake the Snake's guy, and uh, gotcha. You know, again, we'll, we'll wait plays out. I am very excited about Brian Cage, though. Awesome. As am I. This is this is going to be great. In the next segment, Dr. Britt <laughs> Baker dropped a conspiracy theory-laced interview with Tony Schiavone. Now, when it first started <laughs> happening, I was just, I didn't expect to put this in. But the way she went about blaming everyone in her match from last Wednesday where she got her tibia broken, I didn't actually oh, know she, it was an actual broken leg. Either. I thought this was – so it, it's uh, – oh, I, I, right I, know, I don't know. It, it seems – I have to because she worked – she did it, played it off so well where she – goes into her conspiracy theory where in the end said the mastermind of her injury was Aubrey so she Edwards. she has a partial LCL tear. <laughs> yep, After, oh, she, she, oh, damn. Okay. So, wow. Oh, yes. No, that's right. I mean, I, I literally, but. After boasting that she is the reason that the women's division is as great as it is, she did announce that she will be back for All Out. Now, the, that segment was followed by the brand new AEW Women's Champion, Hikaru Shida, facing the newcomer, Christy James. Now, James showed she could fit in well in this division, but eventually fell to Shida. Now, with Dr. Britt on the shelf for a couple of months, who do you feel will be Sheeta's first feud challenger? I'll be disappointed the if they don't have a rematch. Uh, I, I get really frustrated in WWE when a champion loses and never gets, a, a, you know, a return title match. Because, I mean, if, if we're going to go off of boxing, mm-hmm. MMA, etc., typically if you're the champ and you lose the belt, it's in the contract that you get a rematch. So I actually hope they start with Rose. But then mm-hmm. from there, I mean, honestly – I'm okay with any of the women on the roster, just as long as it's somebody that has not had their shine yet. Mm. And, you know, we are getting that that far. Um, you know me, um, I still am very <laughs> crazy about the yep. alien, Chris uh, Statlander. I, I, don't know, I don't know what it is, what's got me hung up on her, but I, I absolutely love her. But I do as well hope that they come back with a um, regular match with Nyla Rose. If they're going to, if she does going to be that girl, let over in a regular match. Yeah. And then who knows? I forgot that there is still Rio. I don't, I don't know when Rio will return. You know, we also need another former champion getting her return shot. Cause I'm not sure if she, no, she did get a rematch if I'm not mistaken. Tonight. And so, isn't it a little concerning if she has – and I, I apologize. I really did. I thought that it was all an angle until just now. I mean, like, that's a little nerve-wracking to me to give an exact date somebody's going to be back when they have an injury like that. Like, she has – Dr. Britt Baker is maybe my mm. favorite character, you know, obviously outside of, like, Jericho, on AEW's roster. She <laughs> has done such a good job over the last few months kind of, you know – 
making little tweaks to that character. And that promo was amazing. I just hope she doesn't rush back and then re-injure. And it always scares me when they give a date that they're coming back. Right, right. And like you said, she has pretty much carried it uh, before they had a chance. And I'm to sure she's eating because, you know, back. like she wants to get back. Because I'm sure she knows she's going to get title reign here soon. She's earned it. Uh, so next, absolutely yay, we had a tag team match for a right to have a shot at the tag <laughs> team titles next week. I was like, finally. So... <laughs> Kip Sabian and Jimmy Havoc, which I do have a little bit of a problem that they were like, I don't understand why they were here in this spot. Again, like with both of the teams. But anyway, mm-hmm. let's just go through this. Kip Sabian and Jimmy Havoc went up against SCU <laughs> in the following match for the titles. We talked about that. SCU controlled the pace. Uh, you know, it was maybe a 10-minute match. It, it had your classic tag team, a little back and forth, you know, each side trying to use their guys in the corner to separate from their opponents. In the end, with the assist from my girl, Penelope Ford, who I just, I really like her and Kip a lot. Uh, she basically helped Havoc and Sabian get what you consider, I guess, an upset win. Uh, and they will face Omega and Hangman for the titles. I believe it's next week. Do you give them any shot of winning the tag team titles? Normally, I wouldn't have. They put together a really good match. And the only reason I could see this happening is if they're possibly going to advance, whether or not Hangman and Kenny are going to split but then again what i failed to throw in here is that from that little bit uh with the the rest of the elite earlier kenny and hangman went back to the hotel to have their (laughs) chosen drinks and we're hanging out so they're kind of like buddy buddying up now they're kind of you know doing a little bonding so maybe they're moving away from the breakup angle so who knows how long those two gentlemen can the hold on to The answer to the question right is now. no. They have zero chance of winning the titles next week. I, I loved your reasoning that you were just talking about. You know, you got to remember, the Elite just won the match against the Inner Circle. They appear to be getting along right now. And more importantly, we've talked about this. There's so many good tag teams. And the tag team division, no offense, to Kip Sabian and Jimmy Havoc. But even with, and we know it's probably going to happen, when Omega and Hangman lose the title, it's going to be something between them that still needs to be to one of those marquee tag teams because it's a big deal to beat Kenny Omega and Hangman. Absolutely is. And who knows if it winds up even, I would love maybe to see even be in the book somewhere down the road. I would love to see that match again. Although highly. Uh, I would match oh god yes so go ahead Rob. Oh. no you do it buddy go right ahead no no so before the battle before the fight uh the next battle royal mjf your favorite guy threw some serious shade on some of the aew competition saying that he didn't need heat from another promotion to highlight his talent and before saying that he is going to win the battle royal he was about to enter, jokingly got into the face of Wardlow, who that did not take that too kindly. So that was quite like I wasn't expecting that reaction. So in the 15 man battle royal to determine the first number one contender to the TNT title, there was a lot of action and potential uh, future storyline starting beginning with Santana and Ortiz taking out Orange Cassidy before he could make it to the ring. To start the match, MJF pulled a classic heel move, just sitting on the top turnbuckle, hiding behind Wardlow, using him as a shield. I love it. I love everything he does. And it was even... Sitting on the top turnbuckle, you know. He even added to that, like... 
And even after Wardlow would get eliminations, he would go yeah. outside, throw in a couple of kicks, and then go back to trying to get behind the shield. It was absolutely great. Like, Marco Stunt even amazingly got an elimination on Christopher Daniels before he, too, got launched out of the ring by Wardlow. That led to a titanic meeting with Luchasaurus in the middle of the ring with Wardlow, and then they added Billy Gunn into the mix. Now, with two of the three biggest guys going at it, MJF and Wardlow sneak in to double eliminate them. (laughs) Orange Cassidy finally got up from getting mugged. He swathed his way. In a very smooth move. (laughs) In a very smooth move made MJF hit Wardlow with the pinky ring, leading to both of their eliminations. So I'm wondering what he is going to come behind those two when uh, they get on television next week. The match ended with Jungle Boy and Orange Cassidy going back and forth until Jungle Boy used a hurricanrana to pull Orange Cassidy over the top, holding on to the top rope for the win. He will go on to face Cody next week for the TNT Championship. Is there any chance that Cody's TNT title reign ends no. before it can uh, really begin? I do want to say before we get into this, though, you know, we try to be fair, you know, to both sides. We try to really enjoy, and that's why we try not to be negative. We'll obviously give our opinions on stuff, but. I just want to point out that just on this last show, because I really do think there's becoming a a significant size of the wrestling community that everything AEW does is wrong, and everything WWE does is stupid. Just in AEW, basically, of WWE, you got the Cody Rhodes Open Challenge, John Cena's U.S. title, you know, challenge from, what, four or five years ago. You've got, we'll talk about the segment at the end. Uh-huh. Which was literally almost verbatim a uh, segment program, whichever you want to call it, that happened in six. Uh, there's just, you know, if WWE did this stuff, they would get hammered for it. Uh, and, and, again... It's okay, but I'm just saying, let's just, you know, take everything as is because WWE steals from other promotions. AEW is going to steal from WWE. Just enjoy the wrestling and try to look at everything, you know what I'm saying, from the standpoint of the angle. Because I actually think all of these things AEW did worked. But, you know, I know for a fact if it would have been the other way around and say WWE had done that, you know, to AEW, people would be losing their minds. Oh, the other thing was the briefcase match. You know, they basically had a briefcase match. It was with a poker chip, but it's the same thing. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I just had to vent about that for a second because there's a lot of that going around. No, 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 absolutely. absolutely. Yes, Uh, no, I saw it. I definitely saw it too. I don't think there's any chance Cody doesn't uh, win here because – Again, this is why I was saying, even though they did just take the John Cena, it's freaking brilliant. You got Cody Rhodes. He's going to be wrestling every week for the title. He's going to put over, and I'm not obviously by winning, but put over by them being in the ring, a ton of young dudes, starting with Jungle Boy, which, by the way, I did not know that was Luke Perry's son. When you said last week it was tragic about his dad, like, I did not know who it was. And, boy, when the light bulb went off, and I showed my wife, it's like, holy crap, he looks just like him. Oh, my God. Spitting uh, image. But I, I think this is a brilliant thing. I, I love that they teased it. Because fans were going to be happy either way. I mean, you got arguably the most popular, hottest guy in AEW and Orange Cassidy and Jungle Boy, who I just raved about after his pay-per-view match last week. It was incredible. So I was going to be absolutely either way. I think him yes, and Cody are going to put on a great match next week, but no, I don't think he has any chance of winning. Yeah, nor do I. But again, we're about to start seeing all that stuff that everyone got excited about when this signing happened. 
And I, I'm sorry that I thought I had made mention of that before because, you know, it, 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 to me, that's one of the things that, and even now it actually kind of gets me a little bit, is what made the story a little bit more touching. And that's why I kind of paid a little bit more attention to the Jurassic Express. And, you know, the I one thing I hate for them, and I remember, you know, doing it, you would think in some ways they would, they would constantly mention that. Because, you know, Luke Perry's obviously very famous. Uh, but I, I love that they have the respect for obviously his dad. And, I, you know, I started reading articles on I didn't realize he would go in disguise uh, to his matches when he signed in AEW before his passing. Uh, just seemed like uh-huh. a really cool uh-huh. dude. And his son has got a ton of talent. I mean, I am a big fan uh, for that pay-per-view. And that match, match at Jericho, what, about six, seven months ago? Um, so the show ended with literally, Absolutely. I thought I was in 1997 all over again with a pep rally for the inner circle, which by the way, <laughs> they are so good and smart. I am pretty sure segment where they, they actually ordered, you know, way too many. <laughs> <laughs> pandemic when they thought there was going to be a they're like crap we got all this is then try to get rid of those shirts you know to to make a segment out of it to make it Jericho and his guys Mm -hmm. mistake and they really were hawking them for 50% off afterwards (laughs) I looked it up so uh, AEW does so much right like they really do uh, but the show ended with a pepperoni for Inner Circle. Dickie Guerrero. I know a lot of people can't stand her. I love seeing Dickie. Uh, and the Jaguar cheerleaders, Jericho and crew, you know, they were their comical self. They gave away some t shirts, which I got a kick out of because everybody there works for AEW. Uh, and it. <laughs> It was weird because they were kind of, you know, droning on. I didn't understand what was going. Then he started talking about Tyson. And I was like, oh, my God, they're not going to do this. Sure enough, here comes Tyson. And I will admit, I'm not a big UFC guy, so I didn't know those were UFC guys accompanying him. One of them looked like he was really out of shape. I I was shocked one of them was a uh, UFC dude. And, you know. As things happened, Jericho and Tyson kind of got in each other's face. And literally, we had pretty much exactly what happened when Stone Cold and Tyson met face-to-face that first time in the push to WrestleMania 14. I want to say, first of all, if this leads to a Jericho-Tyson match, I'm all in. 100% all in. Because Chris Jericho, it needs to be reminded, got a great match out of Mickey Rourke. Okay, so he can get a great match out of Mike Tyson and it's going to be exciting (laughs) and it's going to sell. And I understand why they're doing it. I totally do. This is the one, though, out of like, like I said, just copying a storyline. I'm really surprised by because, I mean, they copied it identical from the shove. Then they couldn't get to each other at the end. You know, they're holding Jericho back as Tyson's being escorted away. Mm -hmm. I went back and watched the Tyson Austin segment just to make sure it was like spot for spot. Now, if AEW did that because they wanted to piss off Vince McMahon and just be the ultimate troll job, well done. Because I know Vince McMahon was like, (laughs) Austin, uh, it just, I mean, I could just see him steaming. Going, that was my storyline. That was my guy. And it doesn't, and it does need you to be said. It was great. That, you know, people give Austin the credit for the boom of the attitude area and WW, you know, F now WWE coming back. Mike Tyson was actually the guy who did that. They had a humongous jump. In numbers, the four weeks that Tyson showed up before that WrestleMania, he showed up the WrestleMania after, and then because of the eyeballs he brought in, it led to kind of a rebirth. They started going up. It was about six, seven months later. They were going back and forth, and then a year later, they were starting to win the ratings war again. 
So maybe AEW, as we said, that had a different feel to it is saying, not only are we coming for you, we're going to use your storyline that rocketed your promotion last time to do it. But it just was a lot, right? It was a little odd, and I was kind of like, uh, but I was, because at first, I recognized um, Rashad Evans, and I was like, am I seeing things, or is that Rashad Evans? Because that was the first, so my eyeballs were stuck on him trying to watch him to the ring, and then I heard him say, wow, there's Vitor Belfort, and then I started looking around, I'm like, oh, shit. Oh, Fedor, damn, bro. <laughs> but but it was like, oh, oh, that's brilliant. You got all these UFC guys, which <laughs> people like me will be like, <laughs> that's absolutely, like you said, listen, using outside, you know, I, I once again have to eat crow and say that you know, what RC is always talking about is the bottom line. You know, sometimes we get too caught up on a spot or a segment and we're forgetting that the fact that these dudes are not only in uh, business to entertain, but to make money. And you bring some more UFC guys into watching AEW is going to bring more money. So I totally get it. I totally understand. And I actually would also love to see this Mike Tyson in a wrestling you, ring. Oh, do yeah. Do you think he's the right guy, though? Oh, yeah. Because I, the one thing I will say is I just wonder if there's not a guy out there that they could have got from actually the UFC world that might would have been, and I'm not a UFC fan, so I can't tell who that guy is, but just to where they're a little bit younger, the match probably be a little bit more, you know, better. Cause again, if the, and, I, and Tyson looks like he's in great shape. And again, Jericho could wrestle a broom, but I mean, I would imagine if you got a UFC guy that, you know, obviously I know you can't get like a Conor McGregor, but maybe somebody a step below with a lot of, you know, pizzazz and name and draw eyeballs. You just might get a better match out of it. Yeah, no, I could totally understand that. And the only reason that I would be excited about this is that at least this is something where um, Tyson will be able to, you know, do a thing where he won't get hurt. Because, you know, I was one of those people who for 30 seconds got caught on the hype train when seeing Tyson sparring and such. And it was like, oh, my God, is he going to – and it's like, wait a minute. And it took my it took my brother to to put up a post and it had me stop and think. I was like, yeah, what the hell am I thinking? Wanting Mike Tyson to actually do combat sports now. Now, if he could do something like this and will be able to uh, take a bump, then yes. But yeah, no, I agree with you to the fact that they probably could have brought somebody um, a little more athletic. But I've been proven wrong so many times. I would hope to see something that would at and least they would tell draw us, hey, eyes Keith, in a, in a pretty ratings, good pop. We had 827,000 viewers, up 18% from last week, and we were up 23% in the 18 mm. to 49 demo, which is the most important one in television. So shut the hell up. We know what we're mm. doing. Uh, it also needs to be said, NXT was up. They had 731,000 viewers. They were up 23% from last week, and that's the biggest show in three months for them. And in the 18 to 49 category, they were up 46% uh, from uh, last week, tying the show's highest mark in that demo since March 25th. A lot of stuff I've read is, you know, the news is starting to lose some of its steam, which obviously that's going to change with what's going on right now. I guess people have become tired of mm. watching you know mm. stuff about the pandemic constantly but it is good to see that you know both of these shows are up and it really does mm. feel like wednesday night wars began last night i mean this last wednesday and i, I know that's weird to say at this point with how long they've been going head to head but 
when you got Tyson on one side, you know, closing a megastar mm-hmm. like that, and on the other, a new match, which how often do you see a new match with a new structure in wrestling? Like, they both were going for it. Uh-huh. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. Oh, I just found something in my notes that I just wanted to yeah. uh, toss back in from that uh, Battle Royal. Everybody worried about Brody Lee. Don't worry. Brody Lee will be back. Colt Cabana got slid a Dark Order flyer after getting thrown out of the, uh, too, I know the Battle Royal. Long, but I, I the know. Dark Order, I thought, was the number one team in the rankings. Yes. Not only did they end up involved in the match last week to give a tag team title shot on the show next week what's the deal with the rankings then you know what i mean like why have a team that's constantly number one in the rankings or i guess now number two and then Mm -hmm. they don't get a title opportunity do you understand that or are they just kind of using the rankings as they you know see no Um, I, I don't know, but you're right. That is something since we were talking about wins and losses, um, meaning something, especially since that, that was one of the things that they had highlighted as they were formulating this uh, company, they do have to get back to that. And considering all the influx of new tag team talent, are we maybe in for maybe another Mm. tag title tournament? I would almost rather them maybe. I don't know. You know, go ahead. World Cup type deal, and maybe have. I don't become. Exact, exact. Like the like the Crockett, like the Crockett Cup of old. You take on all three in your group, and you know one or two teams advance, and then take up a. And that would be something you're not gonna fill program. You can fill shows. Is there anything, uh, Rano, you want to get to before we get out of here, or anything you want to plug? Just my usual um, harvestcreditors.com. You can find me on. Facebook, Ronald Tinsley, or same as Instagram. Uh, if you need any problems getting your credit cleared, you want a higher credit score, our motto is 20,000 families in 2020. Uh, and just again, we, we would really folks. appreciate it if you would subscribe to the Ivy Sports podcast feed. If you like this podcast, man, share it with your wrestling friends. We'd really appreciate it. And we are not kidding. We have a Facebook group called Team Turnbuckle Podcast. We want your feedback. Like, me and Ron Allen enjoy doing this. We're doing it, obviously, because we love wrestling, and we want to make the best possible wrestling podcast we can. And what we're trying to do, the reason we're taking the time to do two podcasts a week, is we want – there's a lot of content out there, and we get that, and it's hard to keep up, and we want to be able to review it and then also discuss it to where if you miss a show or even you miss a week, you can catch up pretty quickly. But if you ever have any feedback, I don't even care if it's negative – We like to hear that kind of stuff. Both of us want to make this for the people listening to this. And uh, we enjoy it. But please do subscribe to the Ivy Sports Podcast feed. Not only is this wrestling podcast, Team Turnbuckle, on there. I have a gambling podcast with my buddy, Alan, called The Backdoor Cover. RC, the Vince McMahon of Ivy Sports, has his RC report. And there is many, many other great podcasts on that feed. But what did I say at the beginning? For Keith Fleming, Ron L. Tinsley, who is the Tully Blanchard to my Arn Anderson this week, this has been another edition of the Team Turnbuckle Podcast, and we will be back later in the week with the Raw and SmackDown edition. We'll see you guys.